Hello and welcome to the IMI Talking Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Hugh, and I'm joined today by Paula Mullen, who will be delivering our Connect Lounge event for IMI members on April 24th about executive presence, a subject we'll dive into today. Uh, Paula herself is an executive coach, having trained and facilitated people in top multinational and Irish companies such as ENY, Vodafone, CRH and Microsoft and has also worked with many senior executives on an individual basis. Qualified in personal executive coaching, cognitive behavioral therapy, and communications and training, Paula is the ideal expert to explore executive presence as a management theory. So Paula, hello, welcome. Hi Hugh. Um, So to get right into it, uh, for those unaware of the the sort of theory, um, what is executive presence as a concept? Okay, well, Very often when people think of executive presence, words like gravitas, charisma, confidence are words that come to mind. And people often associate it with how a leader looks and how they sound. But actually, when you delve into executive presence, there's much more beneath it. And, you know, for a long time, I've been working with companies and working with individuals where people would say, look, um, I have a particular individual. They're incredibly talented. They're technically brilliant at what they do, but they lack executive presence. When I'd asked them to define it, they couldn't. So it almost was this intangible piece. And having looked in Ireland, looked in the UK, I couldn't really find anything that really supported the theory. So I went to a company um, based in Boston called Bates, who have actually carried out extensive research in this area. And they have created a definition based on their research. And they describe executive presence as the qualities of a leader that engage, align, inspire, and move people to act. So if you actually think about those words, engage, align, inspire, move people to act, there's a lot more than how a person looks and how they sound. And what they also recognised was that leaders needed a way of being able to measure it so that they could improve it. Mm-hmm. So what they did through their research was they created a, basically a 360 assessment tool known as the XPI, Executive Presence Index. So it gives leaders a chance to really hear from their their peers, their senior stakeholders, their direct reports, how they're showing up day to day and learn about some of these behavioral changes. And is that Bates XPI model, is that a measurement tool or is it a definition tool? So it's a measurement tool, you know, so what what they're looking at is, and it probably will best come to life if I explain the model, Mm. which to, to me, Hugh, it's actually such a simple model and yet it's so effective. So it breaks, it breaks the model down into three core areas within 15 different facets. So the three areas that it looks at of a leader are character, substance and style. So when we look at character, it's all about the trust. You know, so how much do you trust this leader? And it measures things like authenticity and it also measures things like restraint. Mm-hmm. So, for example, you know, I was working with a leader very recently who scored really high in authenticity. People know what this individual thinks. They believe that he is absolutely himself. He shares stories about his views and, and, and where he's defined a lot of these beliefs. But the reverse side of that is he's really low on restraint because in moments where he needs to hold back, he doesn't because he wants to be so true to his message. I mean, only recently when I went in to meet him for a coaching session, and we walked in before the coaching session began and we were having the, the chit chat on the way in the door. And as he walked through an open plan office, he made big comments about, oh, this place is a madhouse and there's no time in the day. And, you know, really expressed what he was feeling yeah. openly. 
And, you know, for him, it was a wonderful insight to realize that, you know, restraint. People were listening. People were listening, <laughs> exactly. And it's not something that you, presence isn't something that you put on in moments when everybody, when you think people are looking. It's mm. all of the time. So that's under the character, and, and there are other facets within that. The secondary is substance. So if character is about trust, substance is about credibility. Does this leader know what they're talking about? So um, this is the skills and the knowledge. Yeah, so it digs into so the, the facets, and this is the term that's used, the facets that it looks at are things like practical wisdom. So does a leader have insights about their area? Do they have understanding of what's happening in the industry that they can make very practical and very real for people in the business? In substance, it also looks at vision, you know, and actually, interestingly, of, of a lot of the leaders that I've worked with, vision tends to be one of the lower rated facets whereby they, like a lot of people, they get bogged down in the day to day and they're not necessarily thinking as far out as they should be, you know. Um, so that's substance. And again, there are others within it. The final area is style, and that's the one that people most associate executive presence with. Yeah. And, you know, and that does, yes, there is a facet in there of appearance. But when we talk about appearance, we're talking about much more than the suit that the person's wearing or how they're dressed. We're looking at how that person shows up. Does their body language, does their tone of voice match their message? I don't know if you saw yesterday Bill Clinton um, speaking I did, at the, yes, yeah. Yeah, speaking the 20th at, anniversary of the Good Friday. Good Friday, <clears throat> exactly. And, you know, I, I, I saw a brief, I saw a brief um, piece of his um, keynote address in UCD. And, you know, what was really interesting was the way in which he brought that message to life through his style of delivery, mm. you know, so the, the emotional connection to what is such an important message. Um, the pace, you know, the pause and his actual physical posture and how that matched the message. And that, to be honest with you, I've been working in that area for years with people. And, you know, it, it's a wonderful thing to be able to see a leader make small but very significant changes in that space that allow them to have more presence. But also in the realm of style, we look at things like intentionality. So what that's referring to is a leader that you know yourself when you attend a meeting and a, a leader shows up to that meeting and they've got a very clear focus mm. as to what they're seeking to achieve. You know, what are we all in this room for? What do we all have to do when we leave this room? And that there's real clarity to it. And they call it intentionality. It's almost like the vision with a small V. So a leader that has that that vision of where they want to go, but they can they can focus people's minds on it day to day. And is that an innate, uh, that people that, when they that leader walks into the room, do people innately know, or is that leader defined what is going to happen in that room explicitly? You know, it's interesting. They, they do need to expl explain it explicitly, you know, yeah. so they have to make it very obvious for people as to, you know, drawing people's attention to the, the purpose of what they're trying to achieve. But then, they also demonstrate it in the way that they are. So are they a leader that is, you know, the phone's away, that they're fully present themselves in the room? You know, and I think that's an interesting concept. We're looking at executive presence. You know, in order to have presence, you have to be present, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and so much work, or, you know, so much focus is in the area of mindfulness now and all of that. It connects, you know, people need to feel like this leader is actually, they're with me in the room, they're interested, in what we're here to do and they're showing up you know and just as we talk about those people in the room does the way a leader acts 
and, and, and their presence, their executive presence, does it shape the way their followers both act and also the followers they attract to them? Yeah, it's an interesting question. And yes, it does. You know, because if you come back to the area of character, so if you have a leader that is very high on integrity or high on humility, they're naturally going to draw people that that see that within them. I mean, again, there was a lot happening in the news yesterday, but um, Mark Zuckerberg um, before Congress, you know, having to deal with that, you know, actually having to deal with a huge amount. I, I accidentally got sucked into watching it on Sky News. I think everyone did yesterday. Yeah, yeah. it was kind of a, it was, a, it was quite addictive. Um, and I thought what was interesting about him and when I was, you know, observing him and his presence, where he was scoring really high in my view as I watched it was humility, mm. you know, so he was accepting responsibility. It looked like he had been coached very much on a lot of those answers. Yes, I, I I agree that you know a lot of prep had gone into that, and but what I don't know if you noticed while he was there was a humility in the messages that he was communicating, where I felt feel he fell down slightly was in the space of integrity, whereby there was a, and I know it's a hard thing to call out, but mm. the moment that he was asked what seemed to me to be quite a simple question about the the area of minors 13 to 17 year olds mm. and is there a special um, function for them to be excluded from their mobile data being collected and there was a moment where he, you could see him stop and if you really looked at the non-verbals I questioned is he telling the truth not that is he telling the truth he said I don't know the answer to that and I need to get back to you you know yes he seemed to obviously skate a lot whenever it came to data collection so he would mm. say we'll get back to you we'll, yeah we'll, we'll do that later yeah. on. and maybe you know you could argue that that is you know that was an intelligent thing to do you know if he obviously if he wasn't fully sure of the answer then go and get the full information but that one seemed to be i would expect the ceo to know the answer to that question but coming back to your original question you know, if a leader that maybe might be slightly higher in facets like confidence, assertiveness, you know, they might be likely to draw in followers that really like that high paced directive environment and they they flourish within that, you know. Um, so, yeah. And, and is there a danger at that? Because over time, obviously, if you just attract the one type of people, you will eventually just have either yes, yes people or your company will just be going in one way bringing it back to Facebook to yeah. move fast and break things and then yeah. that, that's changed. Yeah. So is there that danger and how can a, a leader sort of mitigate against that? Yeah. Well, isn't it, you know, it's an easy phrase to use, but it's all about balance, isn't it? And, you know, so when I'm looking at a leader and looking at their XPI report, you know, you will find naturally they're very high in certain areas and lower in others. And what we're coaching to is trying to create more balance between each of these and you know one of the interesting facets for example is a facet of concern and you know I was working with a leader recently who when I read his report and um, everything about <coughs> sorry he came he scored very high on intentionality he scored very high on restraint so quite directive mm. you know and um, <clears throat> but in some of the open comments he a lot of people said they didn't feel like he cared about them so no empathy. And no towards, empathy, you know. yeah. Now, interestingly, when I met this individual, he seemed like an incredibly caring individual. And, you know, and there was a disconnect there. So for him, there was a moment where he got to actually understand that 
so the way I'm showing up in this directive way to get the job done mm. isn't actually, you know, isn't as effective as it could be for those people. They could work better if they felt more comfortable, if they felt supported, you know. So when we're working with people, it's around creating that balance. So to avoid that, that being attracting those yes people. So in some cases, he'll have direct reports that want that concern and want mm. that support, whereas others are more comfortable with his directive style. So it's, uh, you know, it's about flexing really, isn't it? And more importantly, knowing the people that you're working with. Yeah, I suppose that, that's, that sort of leads me on to my next question. So how do, what role do sort of other people play in executive presence? So, you know, a CEO, let's take the top position. What sort of, compared to their own personality, what they, should they look for in the people that they surround themselves with? Should they look for differences? Should they look for similarities? Mm -hmm. And how does that all play into how people maybe lower down the ladder see them? Yeah. Well, do people play a part in executive press? Other people play a part? Yes, because it's all about the feedback, really, you know, and I've just given an example of that. But they play a part um, in, oh, sorry, because to answer your question, what you're saying is, you know, what does a leader need to see from their various different um, people that are reporting in? And it depends, depends on the role. You know, so the starting point that I will begin with, with any executive that I'm working with on the XPI is, what are your strategic priorities? So what are the goals that you're seeking to deliver on in the business? Mm. You know, so if you're head of operations, you know, what are the things that you need to achieve within the, you know, the next six months? What? And so then in knowing whatever that goal is, then we can dig into, well, which facets are you scoring high on that you continue to, but where are there gaps? So another one's inclusiveness, you know, so say, for example, you have like interesting, I was working with somebody recently who had just joined a business relatively in a relatively short time and they scored low on inclusiveness and you can understand why because they didn't actually know a lot of people they hadn't they hadn't taken the time to start to build those relationships yeah. whereas if I had maybe asked if they'd met some of their previous um, colleagues they might have said something different so for that person to be effective in that new role they needed to start bringing other people along with them you know they need to start asking their opinions and just to go into that model, because you're, you're saying there that they score high or low in, in different car categories. Uh, correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong, but that's other people marking them. It's not a, a self-assessment, that's correct? Well, they do self-assess within yeah. it. They do, you know, so when we get the report, they're asked to self-assess and then their colleagues. But yeah, I mean, executive presence is very much a chance for people to see themselves through the eyes of others. And it can be very interesting to observe when a leader has scored themselves very high, <laughs> but actually how others are seeing them, you know. Um, and that can be a shock for leaders yeah. when that happens. And it can be quite a it can be quite a sensitive piece to have to work through. You know, I remember working with somebody not that long ago and they scored very low on resonance. So resonance is all about a leader's ability to tune into the emotions of the people around them, you know, and to spot, read those non-verbals, mm. to be a good listener. Mm. And I had a leader that scored himself really high on this, but all of his direct reports scored him low on it. And it was it was difficult for him to realize that, but very useful, you know, because this is why I love this compared to some of the other assessment tools that are out there. It, it identifies behaviors yeah. that people can make very practical changes. 
it's it's a very difficult thing to to assess yourself and how other people react to you completely yeah, yeah. um so since we we're talking about uh mark zuckerberg he, he was one of those people the the end of the suit and tie generation executives mm. it was interesting that he showed up yesterday at the, the Senate hearing. What's the latest thinking, uh, to go back to the sort of base part of an executive presence in the way you present yourself in your appearance wise, if you go into a leader nowadays, do you say, no, you should wear a suit and tie? Or should you say, be authentic, wear what's yeah. comfortable? Funny, now that you say that, um, when I think of observing Mark Zuckerberg, that was one of the things <laughs> that looked so different about yeah. him, you know, just even seeing him dressed like that. You know what, this comes up a lot and the way I would describe it is it's all about matching the culture of the organization, you know, and like even for myself as a coach, I'll show up dressed differently mm, to the different organizations, you know. So if I'm going in with I work with a lot of technology companies and they're very casual, I will I'll still be conscious of having a level of presence in how I'm dressed, but I will be more casual than I will when I'm I do a lot of work with different professional services firms and law firms and you know, so I'm gonna be suited and booted to to match them. So, you know, I think uh, while we can't deny the fact that we make decisions about people based on you know what they wear and we make instant you know judgments it's much more about the energy and the the way that person the state that they're in actually when they engage mm. with people i think that you know so even if you take well, funny Richard Branson at the the pendulum so much, you know. Well, first of all, he all of the time he's dressed casually. Has yeah. he presence? Yes, absolutely. I mean, he went so far as to take his top off at that one, which was a whole other <laughs> whole other piece. I would advise on wearing clothes. <laughs> yes, that would be a first point to keep your clothes on. Um, uh, it's definitely, but you know, it's really about understanding the culture of the organisation and what works within it. And you know, I'm seeing people loving the opportunity to work in companies where they feel like they can really dress like themselves you know mm. and they feel very comfortable in it but for some people maybe say in financial services wouldn't feel comfortable in that space so but that's a lot of the work i do with people within their coaching um realm anyway do i fit do i do i match and i can imagine and let's move this beyond the appearance side mm. of it uh for female leaders it must there must be added layers of complications the way you interact with other people so what is that added layer of com complication for females in leadership roles? First of all, is that existent? And how should they deal with it? Well, it, like I personally find it a really interesting area. And the research from Bates and the XBI, the Executive Presence Index, has found that there are no differences between how men and women are scoring in terms of the actual facets. Actually, where there are some slight differences, women are scoring higher. And so they it, they, they beg the question, well, you know, why are women not in certain cases getting opportunities that they would like? And, and what they have recognized is there's a need to look much more at individuals, be it male or female, and there is that they most have to develop in. But I get asked a lot of the time, is confidence something that comes up more with women mm. than it does with men? The answer to that question is no, mm. first of all. You know, in a coaching context, I'm regularly coaching male and females around their own sense of confidence. But, you know, I'm working with a female executive at the moment that has scored in the XPI really high on confidence because how the model measures confidence, it looks at 
social confidence. So are you somebody who can make decisions in a timely manner? Are you somebody who takes responsibility for your actions? You know, so uh, those are the kinds of things it's measuring. Interestingly, so she scored incredibly high, but internally, her own self-confidence isn't as high as she would like it to be. You know, and she's got it, that imposter syndrome. Yeah, you've thing. heard of. You know, yeah. it's you know, and like we we throw that term imposter syndrome, but it's so it is it is real. Every day I meet people, it comes up in some shape or form the story that people are running about themselves, and I do a lot of work with people to challenge that and get the foundation of confidence to be as strong as they like it to be. But for that individual. That female that has, and she's in a wonderful position where she's just about to step onto the bigger stage. And what I mean by that is she's about to take on a very significant role. And for her, having the insights from the XPI that says others see you as being confident, others see you as having these qualities, has, has done a lot. Her so even just 10%. that, knowing that she's yeah. gone, she's got her self-esteem is gone up completely. Because very often we're questioning. It's interesting because probably people are as they have scored her, but she's probably an incredibly impressive pe person that people actually hold up to outside yeah. other people that they meet. Completely, but she just doesn't. But see she it. doesn't see it, and that's what, like, to be honest, it's probably one of my most favorite things in the world of executive coaching, which is alliance, allowing somebody that chance to look at the actual evidence, not the story they're running. And there's techniques, and people don't know that, but there's mm. techniques that you can use to actually change that story and build that stronger foundation of confidence. Um, so we were talking a lot about there, I think a lot about authenticity, and this does fit in, for me anyway, executive presence, at least an element is authentic leadership, mm. that other management theory. So how do these two square? If you're a leader who's comfortable in a t-shirt and shorts, but work in a financial industry, as, as you were talking mm. earlier on, how do you be true to yourself and have executive presence at the same time? Well, it's the reason why authenticity is in there as one of the facets under character. Because you know, if you think of any leader that you're inspired by, you really want to feel like they are being themselves. So I don't see there being disparity between the two. I see them being very connected. You know, we're talking about authentic leadership in, in a different, in a slightly different way. You know, for example, Paul Pullman, the CEO of Unilever, you know, again, just having looked at some, some of the things that he shares, he does talk a lot about how he was brought up and beliefs that his father shared with him about not having an ego and you know always remember where you came from and you know there's a nice interview with him and his son in the Huffington Post that you know again you get you feel like you're getting to know what drives him and what motivates him and therefore what leads what causes him to lead Unilever in the way that he does and taking social responsibility you know um, so you know this whole thing about executive presence people think the old view of it is I nearly have to pretend to be something. Mm. You know, even when I'm delivering group workshops, you know, people think, you know, I have to put on this thing. I have to speak in a certain way. And I'm always asking people to just drop that. What way would you say that if you were talking to a really close friend? You know, what's that conversational way that you are? You know, and yes, I will work with people on simple things like we talked about with Bill Clinton, posture and vocal delivery and all of that. But... It is about being yourself up is, there. Is, is that a fear? Is that a sort of cultural fear of not seeming professional? Yes, yes, it is. And 
<laughs> but the default of that here is that people fall into these almost corporate corporate speak and people don't understand what they're saying. Yeah. And you know, and I see it in so many companies and I sit through presentations and think, gosh, you know, what have you just said? What, <laughs> what was that? And you know, when I work with them to change that content, so it's all, you have to start with the content, you know, how are they shaping the messages mm. in a way that the language is, is the way that they would speak naturally. So take these business concepts and explain them in a natural way. And it's powerful to see that and, you know, that whole idea of injecting stories to make it easy for people to understand. And, you know, and when people fall away from that, when they step away, sorry, from that, I need to, I need to speak in a corporate style, what happens is audiences just find it so much more engaging. And if we go back to the, the definition of executive presence to engage, align, inspire, you know, we're inspired by acronyms, you know? <laughs> yes, very much so. I think every industry has them. A lot of uh, these management theories, are, they're sort of a, a revolving around emotional intelligence and evolving into that sort of area. Mm -hmm. So in your experience as an executive coach at the moment, are leaders typically lacking in skills or that emotional uh, side of, uh, you know, the soft skills that they mm -hmm. need to do their jobs effectively? Yeah. I don't believe that they're lacking in them, but what they are lacking is time to give them attention. So I think, you know, a lot of, you know, like I work with a lot of wonderful people that have these amazing skills, but actually they're so distracted by the pressure that they're under that they might be forgetting to demonstrate them. And, you know, even a, a simple example of that is, you know, a leader that I'm working with who had said to me, you know, I'd love to have more time to sit down and have those one-to-one -one conversations with people that I know would be so valuable, but, but I don't, I don't. And then, you know, my job is to challenge them on that and think about, well, what is it you're trying to achieve and what would be the more effective way to achieve that? And, you know, in that particular individual, he realized that, and I see this a lot, there was a lot of things he was still doing that he shouldn't be doing anymore. <laughs> that so he had the wrong to-do list. He had the wrong, exactly, it's a great way to put it. He had the wrong to he had the wrong to do list, you know. So what we needed to work with him on is recognizing what should be his priorities. So these leaders they absolutely have the skills, but they need to give them more attention, you know. And then there are other you know you know high performing um, individuals that are seeking to take that next big step, and there are specific skills that they haven't really learned you know and you know and even when we talked about resonance and active listening and you know some people don't know how to do that <laughs> and well, that, that's how, can you develop those soft skills because because empathy is it is something that you learn over childhood presumably mm. I'm not, I'm not a psychologist so if someone isn't able to make that connections with someone else as easy as as, as another person how do you develop that is there yeah. techniques is it does it take time what's yeah. what, what is well, it interestingly here in IMI, I am involved at different stages in the Diploma and Executive Coaching. And we spent a day yesterday with a group of individuals who were beginning their journey to become coaches. Now, obviously, you could say, well, they have a natural interest in that area anyway. But for example, we looked at listening and the exercise that we did, which when I described it was frightening for some of them, <laughs> but actually very interesting by the end. So what they had to do was in pairs, one person would speak about some a significant learning experience in their career. The other person's job 
was to just listen, to say nothing, to not ask questions, to not interrupt, to just listen. And it was powerful, you know. That would terrify me. I'd have yeah, to say. and and it did. It did for some people. But what they found was by <laughs> essentially shutting up and allowing that person space, that person asked questions of themselves that they wouldn't That's typically have asked. And they that person where that story started, it ended up somewhere totally different. So I'm not saying that that you know there's an example of learning the skill to apply it in a real life context. So you won't necessarily stop for an entire 15 minutes and say nothing, you know, but where are those moments where you could hold back? And, you know, so there's a practical way that, you know, and I, I have somebody that I'm working with at the minute and he he's put a sign up in his office that says, shut up and listen. <laughs> now he explains to people when they come into the room, that is not for you, that is for him because he really he has to be reminded <laughs> of it, you know. And um, so, yes, people can, you know, some people where maybe empathy isn't something that comes as naturally to them. They have it in different ways and even getting to tap into where it exists in other parts of their life, they it's, can use it. It's interesting. It, it, it seems to me that leadership isn't so much about leading anymore, it's about facilitating below them. Would that be correct? Again, I'm going to use the word I used earlier, which balance. is balance. Yeah. <laughs> because if a, if a leader is too collaborative, like, you know, and is too facilitating, then, then who's making the decisions, you know? So, and again, that's why there are facets in there under substance. It talks about confidence, so the willingness to make decisions. Also assertiveness, you know, you need a leader to be the person that's going to call things out mm. and say what's not been said in the room at time and times and make those tough tough calls. So, yes, if they can get to a place whereby they have collaborated, they've included people, they've properly listened to the people's ideas, and on the basis of that, they're willing to make that decision. You know, so it it it's there's there still needs to be that directive piece, and that's what we want from our leaders. You know, I often find when people say, I would like more, I'd actually like more direction, you know, so we haven't lost that. Yeah, leaders still need to lead. Exactly. Okay, well, people listening right now have probably been screaming the word Trump at us um, from the very beginning. As an outside observer, uh, what are the elements of executive presence that he has in his armory, Mm. uh, positives, and what are those that he lacks? Yeah, I mean, you're right, he comes up a lot. It's hard not to talk about him but the positives are confidence and assertiveness mm. and an absolute trust in his own judgment and you know he's not afraid to make make the call but I can't say that without moving quickly to the the reverse of that yeah. which is restraint you know send him tweets at three o'clock in the morning you know and and, you know, one of the things now, again, he's going, you know, the, the phrase fake news, whether it is fake news or not, but he was claimed to have said the last time he cried was when he was a baby, you know, as if that's something to be proud of. And, you know, and you think of the tragedies that have happened, you know, the school shootings that have happened, the things that have happened, you know, for people to feel like their leader 
doesn't actually feel what they're going through in comparison to if we had looked at Obama when the Sandy Hook school shooting and how he deeply connected with people. There's the famous stories of him meeting every single parent in the school and going hours and hours. Yeah, Yeah, and you compare that to the the setting that Trump had with the school students um, of the recent shooting and you know he had his card where he had all his notes made out and you know so but I guess the main ones restraint composure you know being able to manage his emotions and that to me is such an important piece you know it's it's one thing to, to have the confidence but to know when to actually hold back and to really seek out the guidance from experts around around him you know because practical wisdom and do you know what you're talking about comes to mind credibility comes to mind because obviously he was able to run all of these successful businesses but running a country is an entirely different job and again from my understanding of it all leaders are not expected to have an understanding of detailed understanding of different areas but they employ experts that will and he seems to like to, to, to fire to get rid of people around him you know if they don't seem to fit exactly with his view and so yeah it's very interesting you know to look at, at where he is uh, let's just take one one part of his his ways commu- he communicates so we mm. talked about there the sort of sort of dismisses the expert so he doesn't use mm. that much nuanced language but he's very direct mm. he gets concepts over quite easily and a lot of people follow this concept and will regurgitate that. Yeah. Well, I mean, you go back to the campaign and why it works, you know, the simple language that he used, mm. the make America great again, that, that, yeah, so many people could relate to. And a lot, he was able to bring things down to the impact to people's daily lives. And so the message that he wanted to get, people said, well, I, that's me he's talking to, as opposed to at the time Hillary Clinton that was using more, um, you know terms that weren't weren't real for people and back to that corporate speak mm. you know so, so people didn't feel like they it, it mattered to them so yes simplicity of message but to the other extreme you know because what we want from a leader is a feeling of yes that they can simplify a message but that there's real depth behind it mm. and that if you were to dig deeper they could go there with you you know and a lot of the time when i'm working with different leaders they feel like they have to start at the bottom and give you all of the detail mm. to prove, you know. So yes, he, when it comes to simplifying messages, he's got that, you know. But even when you look at his actual style, you know. So we talk, we often look at it's the what you say, but it's the how you say it. You listen to the tone of voice and the speed at which he talks, you know. So much of it is, it it's reflecting his lack of restraint. It's interesting, it, it, his language seems to have evolved over the years to become more and more simple. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's just because he sees the effects of it. Possibly. And he just keeps going with it. Possibly, yeah. So on the flip side, again, you hear the name Trump coming up. I'm sure on the flip side, you hear Obama coming up mm. constantly. Mm. So a lot of people put him up there as an exemplar of a leader. I think we can all see his positive as- aspects. But if you were to work with him, on a, on a one-on-one basis, what were the what would be the things as an outside observer? You don't yeah. know him well enough. Um, as an outside observer, that you would say this is what you need to to focus on. I think it links with some of the things that we talked about earlier, which is you know while he's incredibly high on resonance, tuning into the emotions of people, where he's incredibly high in terms of his energy and his 
appearance, when I talk about appearance, his style of communicating. You know, any, if I'm ever working with a group and I ask them to think of who's a leader that has presence, has presence they'll often talk about Obama. On the flip side, could he, have, could he have been in his role as president stronger on the confidence and assertiveness piece? You know, if you hear him talk about some of the regrets that he's had, he had from his presidency, you know, one of the things he talks about is gun control. And, you know, while it's a hugely complex issue, could he have been more forceful to, to create a different result there? Or could he have made more progress there by being less collaborative in certain moments and making the, back to that, making the tougher call piece? So I think, you know, looking at the model, the, the XPI model, confidence is ironically we're talking about Obama we're saying confidence but you know it's the decision making and the willingness to really address some of those difficult things it is interesting when you say it I, I do remember his reaction I remember him crying at the, the podium mm. um, I remember him singing songs yeah at a, at, amazing grace yeah yeah but I, I, I can't remember him really hitting the other side hard or doing something mm. move fast and break things he, mm. he never seemed to go beyond yeah a point yeah um, finally, how does this all fit into the Irish context? Because we often, especially personality-wise, see ourselves as sort of outside these social norms and processes. But are we just the same as everybody else when it comes right down to it? Yeah, well, well I, I can only really answer that from my experience um, here. And this is something that Irish businesses want to know more about, executive presence. and. You know, the the model that I'm talking about, it's used in 17 different countries worldwide. And, you know, essentially it's about effective leadership and really for, you know, the Irish businesses or global businesses that I'm working with that are based in Ireland, they get it. They see that, you know, for some of their, some of their executives where they have opportunities to improve these things. So yes we need it as much as anybody else but we'll have our own version of it mm. and you know a typical irish thing you know for some people is that they stay away from being they, they stay away from seeming confident because they're terrified of being arrogant <laughs> it's one of our big fears that we will be perceived to be arrogant mm. so we're, if we're looking at uh, that i've never thought about this properly but the irish people we're probably very high in humility you know high in humility which is a lovely lovely quality mm. but actually there are times where we need to actually reduce that a little bit to be more confident in ourselves. And, you know, from my experience of working with lots of different companies here, there's an appetite for it and people are keen to learn more about what executive presence is actually all about. Super. Paula, thank you very much. I look forward to your Connect Lounge on April 24th here in the IMI campus. Great. Very much. Thanks. Thank Great. you very much.